out of town. What's up, guys? Welcome to the At The Hive podcast. I'm Jonathan DeLong, and I'm joined by Zach Brown, uh, formerly of the 85 Pod, the Gassing Gazette, right? 85 Pod, hey, Gassing guys. Gazette. Yeah, the 85 Pod, Gassing Gazette, yeah. Thank How's you for been? joining me, Zach. Thank you for uh, making this show happen with me. I'm excited to be here. This is the first episode of the At The, Fi- At the Hive podcast. Yeah, the first real episode. That's not me just, like, battling, trying to fill time by myself. That was- that was an amazing episode, John. Don't you're being very back. kind. That's not, true. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> All right. So the Hornets are two and four since the All Star break. Not great. They currently find themselves sitting a half game out of the playoffs behind Steve Clifford's Orlando Magic, which kind kind of hurts a little bit. A little I bit. Think. It's a personal wound, you know. <laughs> like, and my thoughts on Steve Clifford have always been, like, you follow football, right? Yes, sir. He's kind of like the John Fox, like Ron Rivera of basketball, where it's like he'll take it's your bad defense. team and make them okay, and then take your good team and make them okay. Like he's just a perpetual like coach and eight seed team, no matter what the talent level on the roster is. Yeah, sure. Except I don't know if Steve ever had a good team to make okay. He only had bad teams to make okay. Um, yeah, I know. You know, in that's, in that time, just- Batum was really the second. A wing that we could depend on and besides that he had a rotating cast of veterans whether it was Dwight Howard you know he just had an an okay or bad team to make okay defensive wise the offense was always just hey let's put the ball in Kemba's hands and see what he can do which is kind of what the Hornets have been doing this year probably even more so but my thing is always just like this current iteration of the team just looks an 18 NBA, 2019 NBA basketball. But okay, anyway. sure, you're saying shooting more threes, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so the Hornets, like I said, they're two and four after the break. What have you thought about like their play so far? Because I think they haven't been bad, even though they're two and four. They've obviously had their stretches in each game where they've just completely fallen apart for like five minutes at a time and let the game get out of reach. Then, but they've played the uh, the the Warriors close. They played the Rockets close. They played, I mean, they played everybody close. They're just not able to close the deal at the end of these games. And then they got a road win against the playoff team. So I feel like if they had played at this level all season, they'd be sitting in a much better spot. It's just now they're playing better and the schedule's harder. The schedule's harder. And what I've seen is, and I don't know if you noticed it as well. So we'll get to halftime. We'll be within 10 points of our opponent. And then, Mm -hmm. The third quarter, like Kemba's trying to catch his breath and get back in the rhythm after halftime, and there he doesn't play as much as the third quarter, and he has to make sure he has the razzle dazzle uh, for the fourth <laughs> quarter, and we just don't have the bench to back him up. That's why I think you saw Jeremy Lamb go to the bench uh, for that period of time while he was doing that. He's been doing it for the past couple of, of games. And if you saw the game today, they, this is Sunday, they played the Trailblazers. He was on the bench for the start of the game and they put him immediately in because uh, Bridges wasn't doing what he needed to do defensively. Um, and that's what you see with them a lot is the rest of the team kind of plays the best they can. Batum, since the break has been better um, for a $120 million man, he's been, Okay, Um, and then you see Kemba come in and play for his life on the court. Um, You know, I saw a little bit of the frustration in his face today, just like, hey, 
I need something here. I need somebody to do something. He got it from Lamb uh, from the tra- uh, he got it from Lamb at the, when they were playing the Trailblazers today. But he doesn't get it a lot of the times, which reflects in the um, win loss record. Yeah, and that's it's like I said it. I tweeted during the game today. I was like, if Kimba keeps shooting like this, the Hornets are not going to win. And I, by today, we are of course referring to Sunday. This is going to come out after Sunday, but um. Yeah, it's just like if Kimby keeps shooting like this, we're not the Hornets are not going to win. And he kept shooting like that, and the Hornets didn't win because, like you said, it's just like I don't know. Even with the bad teams, there's just something about this Hornets team where it's just every basket that doesn't come from Kimba just seems so labored. Like there's no just but nobody that's just naturally good at putting in the ball in the basket consistently, other than Jeremy Lamb at times. And you see like Lamb flash like that, right? And you that gives mm-hmm. you hope. Now Lamb's contract is is done at the end of the year, but at least for right now for the playoff run, it gives you hope that lamb can do something like that. But if you're depending on Jeremy lamb to be the second person scoring the ball on your team, it's really hard. Um, it's not ideal like that. No. Yeah. Like Jeremy lamb is like the role, like you talked about with him coming off the bench now. And what do you, what do you think of that move from coach Brigo to move Jeremy lamb to the bench in place of miles bridges or replace him with miles bridges or rather. So, that means you're going big with someone in Bridges who I don't know has the ability to play defense on a professional level right now. I mean, he, he just got drafted. Um, the game is really quick for rookies. And it, like you saw it today or you saw it when they were playing the Trailblazers that Bridges has a hard time following really athletic um, threes or really athletic small mm-hmm. forwards. Um now, what's amazing, the, the first uh, two points that they scored in the Trailblazers was that amazing uh, alley-oop dunk. And he gets all the highlights. So if you only watch the highlights from the, the Hornets game, you must think he's amazing. And you kind of see that in the national media as well. Um, but I think that's what his plan was. And I think mostly what the coach was trying to do was get Jeremy to kind of put some energy into that second unit. What do you think? Yeah, and – I and like with miles you can see like he has that potential to be a, a plus defender um one of the things he's too he's a little too jumpy he jumps a lot at pump fakes especially on jump shooters which he has no reason to do and he just kind of is a step slow especially off off ball and on rotations and stuff but i think the bigger reasoning for it was just the bench has been so bad that we needed to put somebody there to Who could score the, put ball. the ball in the basket yeah. yeah and that's why frank's playing too and Jeremy Lamb, for his to his credit, is like he's been very good. Like he's embraced it. Well, yeah, and I he mean, he's playing, for a con- he's playing for a contract, you know, which is crazy because I've watched Jeremy Lamb since we've had him. You know, we gave him that four-year contract. Um, I believe it three, was three-year three year contract. One. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know the he the reason we gave him that is because we saw the potential in him, and we're only seeing it come to fruition now. And I think the real benef- benefactor of Jeremy Lamb's, Lamb's progress is going to be the next team he plays with for sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see if we try to bring him back. So, and another thing about Miles is- Bridges is that I don't think he can, at least at this point, he can't stretch the floor on the offense. His his he attacks the rim with, with passion. And I love seeing him do that, but you have to be able to stretch a defense for two reasons. Number one, they have to be afraid of your outside shot. And number two, the reason everybody else is on the court is so that Kemba can get in the paint, you know? 
Um, and that's why I'm going either. Because I mean, there have been so many times, and it's so frustrating to watch, where he's sitting in the corner, and like Kimba or whoever, Tony, Kimba, Tony, whoever will drive in and kick, and he will have 15 feet of space to get a jump shot off. And he looks at the rim, and then he dribbles into traffic, and then we'll end up, you know, with an empty possession. And you just you can't. That doesn't work in the NBA anymore. It doesn't. And we're on Miles Bridges right now, but Cody Seller is the like torchbearer <laughs> for getting the ball at the key and f- looking like a deer in headlights, as if he's never seen a basketball in his hand before. And when he's in the paint, he's he's okay. Um, as a basketball player, when he's at the top of that key, trying to find someone to pass it to, it's so hard to watch, John. It's it's. <laughs> I just wish he would trust his shot, like his jump shot, because you you see when like at the beginning of seasons where it's like, all right, I've been working on it, I got this three point shot in my bag now, and he'll come out, and he'll shoot a few, and then he'll hit a cold spell, and he's like, oh nope nope, I'm not a three point shooter. Back to the, back to the catch and run around looking for teammates. Yeah, and you and saw him light up. Teller. He just had a career night um, mm-hmm. a couple nights ago, and he turns around, plays the Trailblazers, and Nurkic makes him look like a college player. Like, he was pushing him around uh, on yeah. Sunday. He does get pushed around. That's the one. I, I feel like for, he's a very, very good like role-playing center. He just gets pushed around a little too much. Like, our rebounding is better with Billy and Biz. But then both of them have their oh, huge yeah. shortcomings. Yeah. So they can't play. They, they're not good enough to keep on the court, even though they make our rebounding better. Because Biz is basically playing four on five on offense, and Billy's uh, the equivalent of playing four on five on defense. Biz Mapiambo, so. who, like you said, can get his rebounds. When he, when he receives the ball on offense, it's as if a UFO has come down from space, <laughs> and he has never seen this object before. Um, I thought, you know, we we drafted him, he left, he came back. I thought, you know, this guy can really develop into something. Um, he started playing basketball really late in his life. You know, sometimes it takes a while to get the feel of the game. And it just never came around for him. Sorry for the special guest. But yeah, yeah and <laughs> um, I guess I'll, I, we were going to do this as a separate segment, but since we only got one, like, meaningful question, um, at be more lively ask why does biz get any sort of meaningful minutes and i think it's because you know cody can't play all of the minutes at center and yeah for, first jonathan shout out to be more lively for bringing in a question for the first episode we appreciate you man we do way, appreciate to, be, way to be an og thank you <laughs> and uh <laughs> sorry you were saying about biz man. and it's because well, cody can't play all of the minutes and marvin has been okay as a small ball center but like somebody needs to soak up some backup center minutes and James Borrego has to choose between Billy and Frank just hemorrhaging baskets on the defensive end or Biz uh, not being able to put the ball in the basket on the offensive end. And most coaches are going to choose the defensive guy. All right, so and, Frank the Tank, we can set aside for another t- for a bigger <laughs> segment. Let me ask you something. Does Willie Hernan Gomez, is he, like, I know he didn't play at all uh, the past two games. What do you think about his game I know that they uh, traded for him because they they thought that he had potential, um, and he played more minutes earlier in the year. Um, why do you think he's out of the rotation now? So I I, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, but he's statistically like equivalent to NS Canner, and NS Canner has had issues staying on the court for good teams because he can't guard anybody. 
and that's the same thing with Billy. And when Billy, it's kind of relieving because, like we talked about earlier, there's never anybody to put the ball in the basket besides Kemba. But mm-hmm. def- defensively, it's not that he's just like unathletic. He, he is a little heavy-footed, but more than that, he just doesn't seem to ever be in the right spot. And it makes the whole everybody's job harder on defense. And then on top of that, his effort just doesn't seem to always be there on that end of the court. And I think it's easier to get by being a bad defender if you at least try and, you know, you're just physically incapable of it. But if you're just kind of loafing around and chasing after rebounds and letting guys take wide open layups instead of helping on defense, I don't think coaches have you any patience for that. Court. You can't yeah. stay on the court. Which brings us to Mr. Frank Kaminsky, who <laughs> – when you're in um, the hive, when you're in the Spectrum Center, and he comes in or he scores a goal, the crowd goes crazy. People love Frank the Tank. Um, I'm not exactly sure why we let go of six draft picks to draft this guy um, in 2017. And I don't, although when he hits three-pointers and he's doing his thing, I love watching him do that, but he doesn't do it with consistency. Do you see Frank now that he's off the trade block becoming more of a, he's already becoming more of a part as the push of the playoffs. Do you, do you see him maybe as a different change to the roster, a different change of the lineup um, coming into the stretch? I, for now, did you see what he tweeted after his game on yeah, Friday? The, under, the Undertaker. <laughs> Undertaker Jeff, that was pretty funny. Um, oh, man. Undertaker, pretty... Undertaker can't stay in the court right now, uh, stay on the mat right now either. So <laughs> that, was, that was pretty perfect. But I did. the thing with Frank is, you know, he's got, he has to maintain it because he played the first – when he came back in earlier this season after a bunch of DNP CDs, he had 11-12-11, and he scored 11 total in the next three. And that's always been his thing is he gets in his own head, starts missing shots, plays no defense, whines a bunch. And then we get to where we have to take him off the court and start playing Marvin Williams at center and Bismarck Biombo at center. So I think it's too early to be like, oh, Frank, you know, Frank's leading the playoff push. But I mean, he's it's nice to have somebody else to score. Okay, so we there's obviously flaws to this team, but we have Mm -hmm. the team that we have. Um, trying to make this push to the playoffs. We're one game out of the eighth seed right now, um, 19 games to the playoffs. We have Toronto twice, Golden State, Houston, Milwaukee, Philly, you know, some some games that we have the potential to lose, but there's a lot of games we could win as well. Jonathan, do you see us making the playoffs in 2019? Yes, but I don't have any good reason for it. Hey, that's fine. That's perfect. We're going to go it on faith, Jonathan. We're going to do it by faith. What about faith, you? My what are you? So, what about you? When I saw Kemba Walker play in Connecticut, and he similarly, he had to carry Connecticut a lot. And when he carried Connecticut was when it mattered. Um, and he did it uh, when they were going through March Madness, which we're about to go into right now um i'm saying yes jonathan first episode of at the high podcast i'm predicting that the hornets are gonna get the eight seed it'd be great if we could pass detroit um i mm-hmm. think it's probably too much to hope that we pass brooklyn at this point um i don't know we... brooklyn's been bad they, well, they're they're wipe the floor with them 
uh, on Friday. So <laughs> wipe the floor. Good. Wipe the floor might be a little strong, but like they're they've lost three in a row. Let's after their big their hot start, like in February, they were they lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're four and eight in their last twelve. So they're they're letting us hang around. Okay, so let's dream that, Jonathan. If six we get, <laughs> if we get that six spot, right, that puts mm-hmm. us in a playoff position to play the Pacers. Um, who lost Victor Oladipo. Um, you know, maybe it's the 76ers, but we're going to pretend like it's actually the Pacers that we play. <laughs> then, you know, hope beyond hope, we could possibly win a few games in that series. Um, and I think that that's what you're looking for as a Hornet fan. Like, mm-hmm. look, we get to watch Kimba Walker be great. We get to see him uh, make hero ball shots all the time make amazing like curl through things and we're going to make the playoffs we're predicting. So that's something to cheer for. That's something to look for in the next month. Yeah. And I have, so to go back, go back a little bit. I want to two questions. I want to ask you about the rotation and it's well, It's one question, but what do you think of, we touched on a little bit, the Michael kid Gilchrist not getting minutes, which I think is the first time in his career. Really? He's been DNP CD'd. At least in the last several years. Do you agree with the move, or do you think it's he needs to be out there? So, Jonathan, you and I don't know each other very well. We've only mm-hmm. talked a few times. Us not getting Anthony Davis <laughs> <laughs> and getting Michael Kidd Gilchrist just changed the whole complexion of the team. We still could have drafted um, Kemba Walker and had Anthony Davis at the same time. That's neither here nor there. You asked me a straight-up question, and I'm going to answer it. Michael Kidd Gilchrist can't shoot the basketball. He is, you know, he's above average on defense, but if you can't stretch the floor in the NBA in 2019, then you don't belong to be on the court. Um, I think that MKG is a professional. I think that he does add... Um, something to the toughness of the team, but I don't think that you can play him if he can't hit a shot. Like the only way you can get away with being a completely invisible wing player on offense is if you're like an Andre Robertson level defender where you're actually clamping up everybody guard. And he just, he's not that good. He's, he's a good team defender. Like you said, he brings toughness. He brings energy. But I think the perfect example was against the Rockets. And Nick Batum did an incredible job on James Harden. Would you agree? Yes, 100%. There were a couple times where MKG got switched on to James Harden, and he might as well not have even been there. Like, James Harden just got right to the basket. And that was kind of, to me, it was like, all right, if this is what he is as a defender right now, you cannot justify him being on the court, passing up open jump shots, and just kind of being an invisible player on an offense that already is struggling to find baskets. Yeah, and it, that might lead you to another question because another person we haven't seen for a few games is Malik Monk. Um, and he's the same thing, but on the other end of the uh, spectrum. Like they're, they're like different sides of the coin where, mm-hmm. um, you know, Malik Monk's offense comes with a lot of turnovers and it comes with a lot of mental mistakes, um, mm-hmm. but he can score a bunch of points. That is more shocking to me that he's not playing versus MKG. Um, I can understand that you don't want the turnovers, but we need buckets, Jonathan. Like we need people who can put the basketball in the goal. And because there's not a lot of options on this team, I think Malik Monk has to be that person. Um, And I think 
he, I think what the coach was thinking is that like, Hey, we got that W against the nets. I'm going to try the same rotation um, against the trailblazers. And it didn't work out against trailblazers probably because trailblazers are three in the West and a fantastic team. Um, but I yeah. do think we need more scoring coming off the bench. I got to find it. Um, so Malik Monk had a good start to February. And then prior to these, I guess he played against Houston. Um, but prior to these last two games, or yeah, prior to these last two DNP CDs, he was shooting in the last, it was nine games, 12 minutes a game, 29% from the field, 19% from three, uh, five points. Enough. One rebound, one assist, one turnover. And so that's probably why we're at, if he's not getting you baskets, it's like a, he's he's unplayable because defensively he gives up too much. His decision-making, like you said, is poor. Um, if, if he's not hot shooting the ball well, he, he serves no purpose. And so you were talking about Clifford earlier. Clifford didn't play him because mm-hmm. of all the reasons you just stated. But coming into this year... I thought the idea was like, hey, we're going to take the good with the bad. We're going to let him get minutes under under his belt and he'll, you know, he'll get smarter. He'll, this game will slow down for him. And it just never materialized. Um, It's kind of like let Monk be Monk and it just never happened. Do you, are you familiar with real plus minus? Man, I am familiar with it enough to say that I've heard it before, but not familiar with it enough to say that I know exactly what it is. Yeah. So it's just like a super nerdy stat that just kind of encapsulate, tries to encapsulate everything that goes on and measure how, basically how good a player is in terms of how much they impact games, not just, you know, Oh, he's got, he averages as many points, as many assists, whatever. Right. Um, Malik Monk is 94th out of 107 shooting guards. That's tough, man. That's that's, uh, that's not where you want to be, my not friend. Good. <laughs> oh, not, man. Um, let me see. And then defensively, it's even worse. Defensively, he is 104th out of 107. And that's just – that's not how you get playing time. Names? Do you have the three names who are below him? Yeah, so is let's get the three there? names that are – oh, it's people you know. Um, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, let's hold on. I gotta get back to it. All right, the three people that are worse than Malik Monk on defense. Oh boy! All right, uh, these are the three people who are worse than Malik Monk on defense in the entire league. Go ahead, my friend. At shooting guard, number one hundred and five, Marco Bellinelli. Marco, hey, that's a former Hornet right there. <laughs> former Hornet, great. And then two players from the same team. One hundred and six is Devin Booker, and one hundred and seven is Jamal Crawford. So but that explains why crazy. Phoenix is so bad. Yeah, for then sure. Then you have Malik Monk. Um, he's in that category below guys like Grayson Allen and Nick Stauskas and 45-year-old Dwayne Wade. <laughs> so that's, that, that oh, is why man. he's not playing. Um, I know people don't like that he's not playing because, you know, potential and all that stuff, and he's 21 years old. But, but we're trying to win games here. Yeah, so you have to. Winning games. Like, and player development is more than just letting – guys just be bad on the court and just keep playing you know that there's more to it than that like practice and all that kind of stuff um but we're trying to make the playoffs like you said and you don't make playoffs when you give heavy minutes to players that are doing playing that well or that poorly so you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen 
we're making the playoffs and we're doing it without Malik Monk. <laughs> yes, uh, and that's and I like and it's it's disappointing because I had high ups for Malik because he finished last season so strong, and you can see it when he gets going. It's like man, this guy could erupt for like fifty points one night if he could just you know stay consistent. But then there's just too many nights where he just every one of his shots is like a contested pull up off the dribble and he throws like five passes that get deflected out of bounds and he's lucky aren't turnovers. And then he has guys just going a straight line from the top of the key to the basket and he doesn't even move his feet. And it's just like, ah, you have so So, much talent. You should be a good player. I agree with you. One day we should do a whole episode on drafts and the previous Charlotte Hornets drafts. Do you know Mm -hmm. that? All right. So we picked Malik Monk. Um, in the previous draft, and do you know who Clifford wanted, or the rumor is Donovan who Mitchell. Clifford wanted? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, who, who would have been a bigger presence uh, as a shooting guard beside Kemba. I just, you know. Shout what out could to, have been, uh, Jonathan? What could have been? At the high user Doc Sports, and because he was pounding the table for Donovan Mitchell all leading up to the draft, and I think he's a big reason. I, don't, I know you weren't around at the Hive at the time, but at the hive was pretty much all in on like Donovan Mitchell's our guy. And then it came out that like Donovan Mitchell was the Hornets target. And we're like, all right, Donovan Mitchell's our guy. And then it was like Malik Monk. Like, uh, okay. Like that's cool. I guess he was supposed to go higher. So I guess that's a good thing. He scores a lot. Yeah. That's that's what I, I was excited about Malik as well. But hearing that Clifford wanted Donovan, just says a lot of the reasons why maybe that relationship soured and mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, obviously we weren't, we didn't get to the playoffs the year before. Um, but Clifford had an idea about who he wanted to pair with Kemba and it would have been really interesting to see those two guys play together. Yeah. Now to be fair, Donovan Mitchell is one of those guys where I don't think he's been as good as advertised. He's very good, obviously. Um, he's been kind of anointed like the next best thing. But he's he's kind of a, a chucker that inflates his numbers with his usage a little bit. And I say that as I find out that he scored 46 on Saturday against the Bucks, whatever. <laughs> um, no, and I, I get where you're coming Donovan from. Mitchell. But Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell on the Hornets could have done great things yes. because we needed to we, score. We probably, if we have Donovan Mitchell instead of Malik Monk, we're probably comfortably the five seed, or the yeah, the six seed, probably fighting for that fourth or fifth seed, like in that tier with the Celtics and 76ers and Pacers. Yeah, man, coulda, shoulda, but you know, we'll, we'll, hopefully we can get this team together, make a playoff push, and then figure out what this crazy free agency is going to be like um, coming up. Yeah, and to get to, and it's like, and I know this is going to be talked about over and over again, but pretty much every big contract other than Nick Batum isn't expiring starting this summer. So maybe Mitch Kupchak can uh, swing those in some future picks or something to make something, you know, make a splash, which we desperately need. Okay. So let me, I got to ask the big question. I got to ask the Kemba of it all. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me put you in Kemba's Jordans. All right. If you're Kemba and the Hornets offer you, the 189 million or the 221 if he makes the all nba um do you take that 
do you take the five years or do you try to hook up with somebody like LeBron in LA or maybe uh, Durant goes to New York and you hook up with him there? You know, he's got New York ties. Um, if you're Kimba, what would your decision be, Jonathan? If I'm Kimba, I try, but that's easy for me to say because I'm a Hornets fan and I want the good players to stay with the Hornets. I, um, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think Kemba likes Charlotte. I think he, he does. He and yeah. And I think like he wants to stay. He makes, he makes it, he's made it clear that he wants to stay. Now that comes with the caveat. Like everybody says they want to stay. Yeah. But that's kind of usually comes with the idea. Like I would like to stay, but the team has to not be terrible. So that's the, the issue we hang, we have hanging up or the issue we have here. Him joining LeBron could be a it could be a way for him to actually make a push in the playoffs, or him joining Durant wherever Durant is. Um, courses with the Golden State Warriors that probably wouldn't make any sense, but if Durant goes to a team, maybe even attracts a third uh, All Star to be on that team as well. That's that's really enticing um, for someone to go to. I want him to stay in Charlotte. I want us to pay him the money that we need to pay him and for him to stay in Charlotte. But let me, let me turn the coin around on you, Jonathan. Let's say now you're Mitch Kupchak. You're the GM of the Hornets. Um, and Kemba makes the all NBA. So you have to pay him 221 million over the next five years. He'll be 35 at the end of the contract. What do you do? You're the GM of the Hornets. Now you have to do what's best for the team. Do, are you automatically rubber stamping that contract? I think you go. I think you're okay with that contract. I think both sides are okay with like a shorter deal in terms of contract length, even with max salaries, but not the full five years. Just okay. because, like you said, Kimba will be older, and it on to explain it to him. It's like, look, we get it. This has not been a great situation for you. You sign like a three-year deal with like a player option for a fourth year. If we don't give you something else around you, you can go find somewhere else to try to win before you become old while you still have something left in the tank. And I think both sides could agree to that. If Kimball wants the full five years, though, and that's the only way he'll stay, then give him the five years. Pay that man his money. Because um, well, and the, the alternative is we become terrible. And then we have to find more good players and start from the bottom. And we've seen where we are right now, how hard it is to go from the bottom to being better than this. And our draft history doesn't doesn't give me a lot of hope that we can draft those players from the bottom that we need to draft. You know? No. And then if you really look league-wide, most of the teams that go just completely bottom out, it's really hard to get that good a player draft after draft and become a good team. Like most of the time you're going to end up being like us, like the Timberwolves who drafted cat, but they haven't been able to hit well enough on anything else to become more than just kind of that middling fringe playoff team. Yeah. And even the better teams that can draft your Celtics, your uh, process 76ers, although they're looking better, you know, I don't think anyone would say that the 76ers and the Celtics are guaranteed a spot in the finals. Um, no. I don't even know if – I mean, I guess you can say that they're in the conference finals, but you could, I could see Milwaukee and Toronto in there for sure. Yeah, Milwaukee and Toronto are probably the favorites. Yeah. 
um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out a scenario for you, Jonathan. I Kemba, Mitch Kupchak, and Michael Jordan sit down at a table, and Mitch Kupchak says, "Hey, we'll we'll pay you all the money in the world. We'll pay your five years, two hundred and twenty million dollars, if that's what you want. But it'll be really hard to attract free agents to the team because we won't have the money." What if you would take a smaller salary? Take the years. We want you as a Hornet. We want you as a Hornet for life. Take the years. And then Michael Jordan's sitting over there probably chewing on a stogie um, in his ripped jeans. And he looks over at Kemba and he's like, we have a plan for you at the Jordan brand. We're going to get you a tennis shoe. You're going to sign a sign a shoe contract that's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars we want you a jordan we're calling the calling them the skywalkers who says no to that Jonathan? who says no you have to be very careful with that you have to be very careful that though because (laughs) it is illegal to uh i don't have to be careful with anything i don't want to be careful careful because uh they can't it's illegal for them to like entice free agents with shoe deals and things like that where it's like yeah mark cuban paid for mark cuban paid for uh novinsky's uh documentary but every you're right everybody's got to be careful you're 100 percent right especially without the league's cracking down on tampering and magic johnson and all that stuff tell me you wouldn't buy skywalkers is all i'm saying tell me you wouldn't buy buy jordan yeah i'd be first in line for sure and i don't even really like sneakers oh i i have a problem (laughs) do you really your sneakerhead yeah, I so I just moved and so I had to move all my shoes and I put them in trash bags and I dumped them on the floor and it legitimately takes up like an entire quarter of the bedroom that they're in right now, just piled up on top of each other. I have right, like so 30, I 35 pairs of sneakers. So what you what's your like favorite sneaker that you own? In what I, like I have I just I, ask you to choose like which child that you love the most? <laughs> so my my favorite shoes just that I like to walk around in right now are probably Hirachis or Air Max 270s. Those are the ones where I wear the most. Um, basketball shoes. I'm a real big Puma guy right now on basketball shoes. Are you really? Yeah, I got those, the the Clyde. They don't the, rip. They don't rip. No, they're That's so right comfortable. They're like the first, they're the one of the first pairs of basketball shoes I've had. I, I have some Jordans that were like this, but I have three pairs of Pumas now. I have the the orange ones, that first one they came out with, the, the ones that are like seafoam green and pink. And the Charlotte edition, the new ones, and all three of them, like you put them on, and they're just—they feel like they've been broken in. Like they feel like they're shoes you've had for like a year. And that so sounds, that sounds they, amazing, I, Jonathan. I got and I'm sure for- there's a huge cross section of people who are listening to the podcast who <laughs> know exactly what you're talking about—the orange Pumas and the yeah. Charlotte ones sound really cool too. Um, but yeah, they're—they're they're like, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen them? I have not. I know, so they're I like, know they're the Air Maxes. Is... I don't yeah. know the Puma. So the, the Puma, I can't remember what the name of the shoe is, but it's like Charlotte Edition. And one shoe is teal, black, and purple, like Hornets. Cool. And the other one is teal, navy blue, and orange, like Bobcats. Oh, wow. I'm looking at them now. That's awesome. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're nice. Yeah, man, that orange. And that's where we're going to have to wrap never... it up because we've... Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, no worries. We have to wrap it up there. It's been a little over half an hour. Appreciate you guys listening to the first full episode of the At The Hive podcast. I hope you guys keep coming back. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you get most of your podcasts. Follow us on At The Hive. Um, it's I think it's at underscore the underscore hive. 
at at the hive. At, Got it. At the hive. Please subscribe. Yeah, there it is. Listen. To, to verbalize that. <laughs> rate us five stars, please. Um, mm-hmm. If you enjoyed it, if you want us to add something, or if you something that you like to tell us and something that you think we should add, tell us, please. We're, we're open to uh, finding out what you want to know as hivers and hivets and people who love the Hornets. We want to do what you guys want to listen to. Yeah, this is the bottom. It's only going up from here. So it's Zach, only going up from here, man. I appreciate you joining me, Zach. I appreciate you uh, making the show work. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace out.